0: Refreshing and challenging, the perspective that brings. Uh, but this week and next week, uh, because we're in the year of prayer, we're doing kind of two topicals on the on prayer. And so this week we're looking at the prayer of Moses, next week the prayer of David. That's why we've kind of landed in Exodus, um, just to give you the heads up. Now, you probably experience this every week as you come to church. Uh, you're driving here. on your way here you're kind of thinking how on earth am I going to get a car parking spot? Um, And so you think, you know what I'll do? I'll shoot up a prayer up to God and you think, God please provide me with a car parking spot. And then as soon as you've said that prayer you kind of turn the corner and you spot one. You go, yes! And you say, never mind God, I found one, don't worry about it. Um, You know that kind of joke about how you pray uh to God and you act yourself kind of brings forth this tension I think that we all kind of struggle with uh and this tension that we struggle with when we think about praying to God see what part in prayer kind of do I do and what part does God do you kind of I don't know if you get that like So, I think we kind of struggle when we think about prayer to understand kind of what's going on here when we pray. And really, I think this is us kind of struggling to understand the nature and the character of who God is. Because God isn't just a bigger me, you know, He's not just us humans, but bigger and stronger. He's actually different to you and I. You know, He's God, He's the Creator. And so we're told to pray to God as our Father, personally. But we'll also pray to Him as the one who is sovereign and in control of all things. I mean, the very thought of those two things, doesn't that raise questions for you? See, how does it it actually work for us to pray to God who already knows everything? Or how does it, um, you know, if God has actually planned everything, does my prayer actually do anything? You know, or um, as you're praying, you're thinking, is, is God genuinely kind of listening and responding to, the, to my prayers? To so the very kind of personal and real questions that we kind of come to, have to kind of, face when we pray to God, aren't they? And I reckon it's at these kind of questions where Moses and his prayer really speaks into. Uh, And Moses, he shows us that our prayers are meaningful and they are important because of two things I want to look at anyway. The first thing is because of the God we pray to. And the second thing is because this God he chooses to work through our prayers to bring about his purposes. So they're the two things I want to look at. And I really, this week I've been convinced and I hope and pray that as we kind of push a little bit further into the nature and character of who God is that we get to pray for too, it will better help us. It will better encourage us and equip us to to pray, to pray boldly to our Heavenly Father. Now, because we've um, jumped in at Exodus 32, just to bring us up to speed on where Exodus is up to, uh, God has just saved the nation Israel from Egypt, from the oppression of Egypt. Uh, And you're probably familiar uh, with Moses leading all the people. About a million people walked through the Red Sea. That's how he did it. And now they're in the kind of wilderness, and Moses is up on Mount Sinai, uh, and while he's up there with, talking to God, the people that he just saved commit this horrific idolatry that we, that we had read out. And they, they set up this golden calf. Now, rightly so, in verse 9 and 10, have your Bibles open because I want to kind of work through this. In verse 9 and 10, God is absolutely furious. And God wants to be left alone so that his anger can burn against these people. But verse 11, Moses doesn't leave him alone. Instead, he intercedes. Um, that's just a, a word for saying he prays, he pleads, he speaks to God on behalf of the people. That's all intercessory prayer is. It's just to ask God for something on behalf of someone else. And really, if you care about anyone else other than yourself, you would pray for others all the time, wouldn't you? And if you pray for them, then you're praying for others. You're intercessoring, praying for others. I'm not going to use that word from now on, but there you go. You know what it is. Okay, so my first point of why Moses shows us that our prayers are meaningful is because of the God that we pray to. And our prayers matter because God is both sovereign, that's He's in control, able to do something, He's powerful, and personal. He's involved in history. He's like a father to his people. Now what I want to notice in Moses' prayer is that he holds on to these two truths about God that in our minds kind of contradict perhaps, but he holds on to them firmly. So have a look in verse 11, at your Bible there, verse 11. Um, But Moses interceded with the Lord his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people? You brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand. See what he's saying there? He's saying, God, these are your people. You know, these aren't just some bunch of randoms down the street. These are your people whom you have a history with and who you've related with, you've made yourself known to. So that's what he's holding on to the other one's hand. On the other hand, and while at the same time, uh, down in verse 13, he appeals to God's sovereignty. So verse 13, have a look at that with me. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac and Israel. You swore to them by your very self and declared... I will make you offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and I'll give you offspring all this land that I've promised and they will inherit it forever. See, for Moses, he knows the God that he prays to is intimately involved in his life and he's sovereignly in control of all things and it leads him to beg to God and to beg him to change his mind on this matter. So have a look at verse 12. Turn. This, Moses says, turn from your great anger and relent concerning this disaster plan for your people. Now, I, I reckon that we perhaps struggle to pray because we have too little a view of our God. So I think we struggle to understand that he is different to us. And where Moses holds on to both truths, we kind of hold on to either his sovereignty and perhaps let loose of his personal intimate nature or we hold on to his intimate nature but we let loose of his kind of ability to act and to do something about what we pray. So so say on the one hand we hold on to his sovereignty uh, that he can do whatever he wants to do and I reckon I don't think it's we don't pray because the person that holds onto that, he might not pray because it's it's because he thinks God can do something. But I think it's because sorry, the person um, that holds onto God's sovereignty. I don't think he he believes that God can do something about it, right? But I think he perhaps thinks that he's already made up his mind. Do you, do you see what I mean there? So he, he believes that he can do something, but he's perhaps God's already made up his mind on this matter. See, have you ever thought that as you've been praying for things? So I reckon it's we end up praying prayers like, um, God, please heal this person, but your will be done. You, you know what I mean? Or um, please... Uh, Please give us this job, or please provide this house, but your will be done. And, and we kind of tag this, but your will be done, as though it's this kind of, I don't know, a bit fatalistic. You know, that he's not, this God, he's not personal. But I'm just praying to him that his will will be done in spite of what I pray. Um, but Moses doesn't resort to that at all, does he? No, he, he knows who his God is. And he begs him and knows him as his father, his personal nature. See, on the other hand, uh, if, you let, you know, if you let loose of God's sovereignty and you hold on to his personal nature, um, you might kind of think, okay, I know God's personal and he wants me to pray to him. But you might actually not realize that God's able to do something. let me just tell you how this might work. So, for example, you might be praying for the conversion of a family member. And you've been praying it for years and years and years. And over time, when that prayer hasn't been answered, perhaps you start to think, okay, God tells me to pray to him, but he hasn't answered that prayer. Maybe that's because he's done everything he can. And now, you know, it's out of his control. And this person isn't giving in. Or perhaps another way you can kind of let go of God's sovereignty, I think is just in the everyday, day-to-day life, right? See, I think there's there's things in life that we just forget that God is actually behind every single situation that we're in. And so we don't either stop to pray about something or we don't stop to give thanks to God for something. Uh, So, you know, as simple as providing a car parking spot or just being able to walk in and do shopping or you know, opportunities that where you bump into your neighbours, all these just things that happen in life, you know, have you forgotten to stop and remember that God's sovereign and in control of all things and to pray to him in those situations? When someone drives you up the wall and you just kind of throw your hands up, just remember that God's in control stop and pray to him so I think we you know might mentally think that God's sovereign but practically you know there's so many situations where we actually don't stop and just give something over to God and just give it to him and hold on to his sovereignty um, the other option say that you let two of those two things the other option is you just um, you let go of God altogether see have you heard this view before that uh, prayer is primarily useful because it changes us have you heard that so it's it's almost as though just the very act of praying um whether or not there's a god out there that's kind of important in itself so you don't care if god's sovereign you don't care if he's personal uh it's just that the praying for something gives me the focus or it gives me the mindfulness to achieve what i want to do you get have you heard that idea You know the problem with all these views? They're just, they're not the God of the Bible. They're unbiblical. They're lacking. And you know what? They're actually reducing God down to something that He's not. See, Moses had a big picture of who God was. And He reminds us that our prayers are meaningful because our God is both sovereign and He's personal. Now, Moses got this view of who God was throughout his history. So that exodus out of the nation of Egypt, that was kind of an Old Testament salvation event where God personally interacted in history. See, how much more do we have, uh, do we have to believe God's personal and sovereign nature when we have the Lord Jesus? That passage that we read out in Philippians 2, the eternal God, The one who created everything came into his creation as a creature, made himself known. He walked in history. Uh, He lived, he died, he rose again. And with the purpose, with the purpose that everyone who personally calls on his name might be saved. See, this is the God who is personally and intimately involved in our world and this is the god that we know. See we can have absolute assurance about who god is and his character even though at times we can kind of struggle to get our heads around how exactly that works. Now holding these two truths it kind of leads us to a big question doesn't it? See in verse in Exodus 32 verse 14 uh, after god hears Moses' prayer It says that God changes his mind. See, you get the question that it raises? See, how can a a God who knows, plans and purposes all things change his mind like that? See, at first I think you perhaps could say, well, that's easy then. Our prayers have the power to change God's mind. But I think that's a little bit too simplistic uh, to think of it that way as though prayer kind of catches God off guard. You know, he's like, oh, I didn't realize, uh, you know, Rog was going to pray for that. So okay, now, okay, let's, let's change things there. Um, but it brings me to my second point. And this is, I, I think this is a powerful and profound mystery and point that this brings me to. See, God uses your prayers, my prayers, To bring about his purposes. See, God expects to be pleaded with. God expects to be interceded with. With the things that he loves and cares about. As though prayer is the instrument, the kind of God-ordained means that God uses to bring about his purposes in his world. So... I'm going to show you this from Exodus and I'm going to have a couple, two other places. So have a look at Exodus 32 with me uh, and look at verse 9. Uh, I just want to notice the logic here. So the, the Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people and they indeed are stiff-necked people. Verse 10, Now leave me alone. Why? So that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Now, it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? Have you ever thought... Why does God say, leave me alone? Like, surely God's anger can burn against them while Moses is still there, can't it? And why does Moses have to go here? See, I think it's it's almost like God is like the parent who's just been put in the awful difficult situation uh, and he's just reached the end of his tether. Yet, he actually doesn't really want to go through with it. So it's as It's almost as though that now leave me alone is a, you know, hey Moses, negotiate with me here. He wants to get pulled back. Now I get that it's not very clear there, so I want to show you where it comes clear in the rest of the Bible, where God uses prayer as an instrument to bring about uh, his purposes. So come in your Bible to Amos chapter 7. It should come up on the screen, but it's always good to have the Bible well, I always like it anyway. Open uh, and come, turn to Amos chapter 7. Uh, as we're turning there, now Amos is a prophet of God uh, and he's, he's just learnt of God's threatening judgments against the people. And he passionately intercedes on their behalf. So verse 2, um, Amos prays. Look at verse 2. Lord God, Please forgive. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? Verse 3, the Lord relented concerning this. It will not happen, he said. And then again in verse 5, Lord God, please stop. How will Jacob survive since he is so small? Verse 6, the Lord relented concerning this. This will not happen either. So you get the point there? The prophet prays, God relents. Uh, okay, hold that. Come back with me to Ezekiel 22. It should come up on the screen, but flick there if you want to. Ezekiel chapter 22. Now here, so, so we've got on the one hand, prophet prays, the Lord relents. Here on the other hand, Ezekiel 22 God criticizes the false prophets of Israel precisely because they do not pray. Precisely because they do not pray to the people. So have a look at verse 30 with me. I searched for a man who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That is, to intercede and pray. Why? So that I might not destroy it, but I found no one. So I have poured out my indignation on them and consumed them with the fire of my fury. I have brought their actions down on their own head. This is the declaration of the Lord. You see the reason there uh, that they were judged? It's precisely because no one prayed. Now, this is huge, isn't it? This is huge. The the God, the eternal one of history, uses you and me to participate in bringing about his purposes in prayer. Just have a think about that. What a privilege. What, what What a responsibility we have. And you know what that means for our prayers? See, how do you know that what the Lord has laid on your heart to pray, uh, to intercede for your unbelieving family member, day after day, year after year. How do you know that he hasn't put this on your heart with the purpose that he might answer that prayer? Do you hear what I'm saying? So your, your very longing and desire that matches God's heart that you plead and pray for, may be the very prayers that God intends to answer. You know, so, so that prayer of healing, keep praying for that because God may intend to answer that prayer. That prayer for repentance and salvation. That prayer to change your situation or circumstance in life. In you know, that prayer to remove the evil acts from a country or a school. These things the Lord has laid on our hearts that we would pray to him. And he wants us to pray in line with who God is. And bring them to him and plead with him. Now I get that there's a bit of a mystery to how this works. But isn't that just the mystery that's caught up in the wonder and beauty of our God and how he interacts in our world? Now, I want to finish with the story of a young American evangelist. Uh, uh, he went to Korea at the time of the Civil War, uh, the time that would you know, split the nation between the North and South Korea. And at that time, there was such poverty in the land that the children were eating the bark of the trees. Uh, And as he went there, he wrote this famous prayer in his Bible. And it says, Let my heart be broken with the things that break your heart, God. Now that prayer was dramatically answered. Uh, That that man's name was Bob Pierce. And he, he went on to live with such a broken heart that he founded world vision. See, now, over, that has over 40,000 staff uh, on the front lines of poverty in this world. And God has answered that in a tremendous way. See, friends, prayer is powerful. Prayer is meaningful and important because of the God we pray to who is both personal and sovereign. And because, in his, uh, because he uses prayers to bring about his purposes. So friends, we're going to have a time of open prayer now together, a chance to pray to our good God. So please uh, just pray in a loud voice uh, and pray for the things that the Lord has laid on your heart. Uh, We're going to begin this time by praying the Lord's Prayer together, which will come up on the screen.